started in just a couple of minutes. So if you have not yet found your seat, feel free to come in and find one. When we do get started, you guys will notice that the band is going to come out. They're going to lead us in a few songs of worship. The lyrics will be on the screen behind me, so feel free to follow along however you feel the most comfortable. Following that, Pastor Chad has an incredible message for us. And after that, we have some baby dedication. So it's going to be an amazing service this Father's Day. All in all, we're going to be here for about an hour and a half. And if you happen to have any kiddos with you that you wanted to check into the kids zone, it is not too late. They got some great stuff happening today, so feel free to drop them off in there. All in all, we'll be here for about an hour and a half. Again, find your seats. We're glad you guys are here. We'll get started in just a few minutes. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to see you in the house today. Come on, why don't you stand up on your feet? Tell someone next to you, maybe across the aisle, you are glad to see them today. There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising, rising. Come on, sing it out.
taking us high, taking us deep, taking us further than we've ever gone before. We're going higher, we're going deeper, we're going further in you. We're going higher, we're going deeper. We're going further in you. We're going higher. Come on. That's a word for somebody today. Come on. Saying nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. Why don't you nudge your neighbor and look at him straight in the eyeball and say, nothing's gonna hold me back. Come on. Nothing's gonna hold me back. I want to hear the voices as loud as you can in here. You guys quit on me, come on. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Jesus. Nothing's gonna hold. Not that negative in my bank account. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Not that negative report from the doctor. Say nothing's gonna hold me back. Come on. Sometimes you just got to sing that over yourself. Nothing's going to hold me back. With God on my side, everything is possible. Nothing is impossible. Come on, come on, come on. Somebody get excited this morning. Come on, somebody get excited this morning. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your loving kindness, what leads us to repentance, God. It's your goodness. It's your mercy. Come on, let's create an atmosphere of worship in this place. your goodness I would be desperate without your love slain to the darkness if it were 
Sounds so beautiful. Come on, with your blood. 
Jesus, for your goodness, 
is no one like you, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Is there any better way than to start off our Father's Day than worshiping our Heavenly Father, the King of Kings, our Lord of Lords? Let's just celebrate our Father in Heaven this morning. He is a good, good Father. Hey, you guys, good morning. Before you take a seat, can I invite you just to turn to your neighbor, give him a fist bump, a high five, let him know you're glad they're in the house this morning. Welcome to the Promise Center. We are glad you guys are here. Thanks for spending your Father's Day with us. In light of it being Father's Day, we do have a little special video for you fathers in the house and moms in the house and everyone else in the house um, just to enjoy. We got some cute kids on a screen that want to tell you about their dads. We hope that it makes you smile. We hope it makes you laugh. And we hope it gives you those like warm fuzzies inside. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screen behind me for a really cute video. It's kind of like Mother's Day, but Father's Day. It's kind of like Mother's Day. Like, you get, like, special stuff, only, like, daddy stuff, not, like, mommy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Like, like give them new socks, or maybe uh, give them new guns. And it gets me candy when I was not around. I like to play video games with them. Having daddy-daughter dates. Hug him. Hug him. Yeah. And kiss him. Yeah. Elsa. You think your dad would be Elsa? Uh, that <laughs> is not a superhero. His beard and mustache. My dad's hair on the head, but on him. You like the what? A head being on him. Yeah? A head being on him. <laughs> he doesn't have any hair. I like about his heart. I see God. How so? His face just brings me joy. Once he put his hair in a ponytail. Does your dad have long hair? Yeah. Do you like your dad's long hair? Oh my gosh! Yeah. I'm the Peter and then talk to people. At work, he also works in a cubicle. Oh. What's a cubicle? It's like this big cube that he works inside of. Because he loves our hearts and he plays with me. Yeah. Dad, he loves me. He does nice things to me. He gives me food sometimes because he loves me a lot. He's nice to me a lot. Yeah. You can know that he does. He let me watch a show the whole time. Well, Mommy never let me watch a show when she was here. Her dad. Cause he, cause, because he makes chicken and corn. Um, mommy. He, 
<laughs> Daddy never. He only knows how to cook eggs, and Mommy cooks all the foods, except Daddy cooks only eggs. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can teach him on how to make eggs. <laughs> Dad, he knows his right on his left better than my mom. Mommy, yeah, because Daddy, when Mommy tells Daddy to stop, he keeps going. <laughs> Way to show mama. In the <laughs> My daddy always sings loud. Who does he sound like when he sings? A girl. <laughs> <laughs> love you, daddy. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I love you. Happy Father's Day. I love you, daddy. Happy Father's Day. I love you, daddy. Happy Father's Day, daddy. I love you. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. How cute was that? Shout out to the dads that work in a cube. And for those of you that are secretly wishing that you could be Elsa if, if you had any superpower possible. Um, happy Father's Day, dads. We really honor you. We celebrate you. And we are glad for you. You guys are amazing. And yeah, we just thank God and we love you. So happy Father's Day, dads in the crowd. Happy, happy Father's Day. We also wanna give a shout out to those of you that are first time guests. If you are a first time guest here, you are also a VIP. Uh, we have a special no strings attached gift for you that we wanna get into your hands. So before you leave, please make sure you stop by our Connect Center and meet somebody there um, and get that bag. Thanks for coming, you guys. Speaking of wanting to get connected with you, you know, one of the things that I absolutely love about the Promise Center is that we are a church that are committed to taking next steps, to not growing stagnant in our faith, but constantly growing and following Jesus in our faith journey. So I don't know about you, but I want to constantly be growing with God, and I love that we get to grow together in community. And in your seat back pockets, you guys will find something that's called a next steps card. I don't know where you're at in your faith journey. Maybe, you know, you want to hear a little bit more about Jesus, or maybe you're ready to say yes to being baptized, or you're like, hey, I want to be part of the dream team and I want to serve. Or maybe it's not even one of those next steps. Maybe God's wooing you to something else. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. And we want to pray with you and we want to partner with you. So however and whenever the Holy Spirit is leading you to take your next step in your faith journey with him, please fill out that next steps card. Drop it in the communications bucket as it comes along because we'd love to connect with you and to partner with what God is doing in your life. One of the other ways that you guys can take a next step is by coming to Welcome Home. Welcome Home is in a couple weeks, and it is a great experience. I am one of those people that when I'm committed to something, I'm like the ride or die. Like I am, I'm all in 100%. But before I get to that space... I have a million and a half questions. Like I need all of my questions answered before I can say yes to something. And that's how it was for us, for me, in choosing a church to be a part of. I had a lot of questions. And maybe you're like me. You just, you have a lot of things that you want to know about the Promise Center for, before saying, you know, I want to be fully committed. Well, Welcome Home is a great place for you to come and to ask some of those questions. It's also a great place for you just to come and to see church life, see our church body outside of a Sunday morning, right? To see us and experience us in a different way. We get to to meet with our pastors, you get a chance to meet with some of the staff leadership, and you also have an opportunity to hang out with some other folks that are newer to the Promise Center. So if you have not yet come to a welcome home, we personally invite
invite you. We would love for you to come. You can fill out the, the Welcome Home RSVP in your seat back pocket also. Drop it in the communications bucket as it comes along. Maybe that's your next step, and we hope to see you there. At this time, I would like to invite our auditorium hosts to come forward. You know, this is one of my favorite times of our service because it's one of those stop and, you know, remember that everything that God has given us is really from God. Everything that we have, God has given us, and that he's inviting us to partner with him in a bigger picture, in a bigger global mission. And so it's humbling. It's humbling to know that God is inviting us to partner with him. So as the communications bucket comes along, I just want to invite you to throw in, you know, your, your welcome home card or your next steps card. There's also some cards in front of you that are for prayer and praise. Maybe God is doing something crazy amazing in your life. We want to hear about that too. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And if there's a need that you have and you want people to agree with you for what God could do in your life, then we want to pray for that too. And we want to celebrate the goodness of God in your life. So throw all that stuff in the bucket because we want to hear from you. You can also throw in your tithes and offerings there as well or give online. But let's go ahead and pray this morning. God, we thank you so much that you are here, that you are alive, that you are moving, that you are present. And that you love us so much that you came to earth to meet with us and to reveal yourself to us. Father God, we thank you for being the ultimate dad, the ultimate father, and pouring out your lavish love on us each and every day. I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive you more this morning. And God, we ask that you would do crazy amazing things with these tithes and offerings. That you would use it to change lives for all of eternity. Not just here in Santa Rosa, but beyond God. We love you so much. We adore you. And we thank you for this day. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Hey, I just want to say also thank you guys so much for being such great neighbors. You guys have been doing such an awesome job of helping us keep the noise down and the, the movement um, to, to a minimum. You guys are amazing. So we are glad you guys are here. And at this time, feel free to turn your attention to the screen behind me for some more church news. Happy Father's Day. everyone, my name is Jeremy. Thanks for joining us here at the Promise Center for Father's Day weekend. It's been an amazing summer so far and we're so excited for what God is doing around here. A few weeks ago we had the best weekend ever including spontaneous water baptisms where we had 24 people step into a new life in Christ. God's been moving on your heart to take this next step. We have another opportunity coming up with our water baptism weekend happening on the 29th and the 30th. Don't wait to step into God's best for your life. One of our favorite scriptures here at the Promise Center is Acts 22 and 16. It says, so what are you waiting for? Get up and get yourself baptized, scrubbed clean of those sins and personally acquainted with God. So if that's you, Grab a Next Steps card in front of you or see one of our service pastors in the Next Steps tent and we will get you signed up for this life-changing step. What's up, Moomit Youth? Summer camp is only three weeks away. It's going to be one of the most life-changing events you've ever gone to. So if you haven't signed up already, you have to get out to the youth booth after service today and get signed up. It's going to be a summer camp you won't want to miss. All right, Pastor Chad is going to come up in a minute, but before he does, check out this special announcement. Hello. Hi, everyone.
everybody and welcome. Excuse me. Woo. Gentlemen, do you know what time it is? It's time. Time for what? Something big. Something so big. Were you scared? Tell me honestly. Do you want to know what it is at the movies? What? At the movies. What's that? Very good movies. Movies? I haven't been to the movies in ages. Mm-mm. This is for church. At the movies. Church. Movies. The church. Movie. Church meeting. Movies. Inconceivable. We're a match made in heaven. Let's all go to the movies. It's coming. It's coming. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Everybody say, at the movies. It's starting next week, one of our favorite series, and you don't want to miss it. Here's what happens every time we do at the movies. People are like, movies? Church? This is odd. They come to the first one. They're like, I wish I'd have brought 100 friends it's going to be so fun and off the charts. You don't want to miss it. We have little flyers. These are not tickets. They look like tickets, but you don't have to have a ticket to get in, just so you know. But we want to partner with you because um, starting next weekend, we're going to be entering into our At The Movie Sermon Series. It's going to be a lot of fun, very powerful message. Lives are going to be changed, transformed, and we love to partner with you to bring your friends and family. And we got popcorn, and we got sodas, and they're going to have fun, and you bring them to the movies. But it's church, and it's the movies, and it's going to be a life-changing experience. Amen? All right. So it is, is there something going on today? Oh, it's Father's Day. That's right. It's Father's Day. Come on, let's give a hand clap to all the men and fathers in the room. We, we honor you, and we are so, so glad that you're here with us. And it's been just a great weekend. We've been talking men talk, right? And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but on your way in, we have uh, some weights. There's dumbbells and there's, some, uh, there's a bench press. And so here's the deal, guys. Um, those are all fake weights. They all weigh like a pound, okay? So we want you to get out there and lift those weights. Take a photo. Take a video. Look amazing. And post it on social media and be like, yo, something happened. I got the anointing that hit me and I was able to bench more than I've ever benched before, all right? And the reason we do this is because... Um, one reason is because I'm excited that at, you know, a couple weeks ago I was able, I benched, uh, 345 at 345. Isn't that cool? Come on somebody. Yeah. Which is just 15 minutes before 4 PM. I was benching at 4, 345. Terrible joke. But this is real. This is real. Okay. Here we go. And this happened. I did an Ironman. Everybody say Ironman. And I wasn't going to brag about it, but someone snapped a picture and so I thought I would share it with you. Here it is, Iron Man. Come on, somebody. Are you proud of me? I don't know. Okay. Anyways, I thought that would go over better. <laughs> um, so we're talking about being men, being tough. This is <clears throat> a message for men, women, ladies. We're, like, so thrilled you're here. Um, if you will just please stay. Please hang out. These, these principles are... Um, they are transcendent, but I'm going to be speaking to men today. I'm going to be speaking to not just dads, not just grandparents, but to men. Because um, we're living in a time where 
like kind of like what does it mean to be a man is kind of we're trying to figure that out and some of the lines have been moved around and we're just trying to figure it out i want to get back to some of the basics some of the things that i believe that if we'll embrace today it will change our lives forever and what, what's really great is, is God's called us to be strong. Like there's nothing wrong with like, like being strong, but not just externally, but internally. Amen. Um, I, I want to I be strong. I want to be long lasting, not like the, um, the new paper straws. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Have you had one of those yet? Now, I lo- let's, save, let's save the animals. Let's save the sea. I'm all for it. But those paper straws aren't lasting long, are they? They're just kind of crumbling. Like you, you, seven sips and it's like... They're gone. They just disappear. They just crumble into thin air. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about men who are lasting, who are strong, who are courageous, who are going to lead with courage, who are going to lead with integrity, who are going to lead with discipline. Come on, somebody. And, and that's you and I because there's nobody else. Like, we're, we're called to do this. And so it's not just the goal and the role, but it's, it's an office. It's a calling to be a man and to be a father and to be a husband. And we take this really seriously, and we believe that, like, if we get this right, there's a lot of other things that fall into place, all right? At the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for those who want to dedicate, for those who have signed up to dedicate uh, their children. Uh, we're going to take just a few minutes to, to pray over them and to, 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 to bless them. And we're going to be talking about a guy today named Samson, who we're going to read in just a moment a story where uh, an angel of the Lord comes to Samson's parents and is like, hey, I want you to make a covenant because what this covenant that you're going to make, you're going to keep yourself and then you're going to give it to Samson. And what we're going to do today at the end of the service is also something kind of like that, a covenant. We're going to come into um, uh, a time of consecration where we're going to make some declarations over our family, we're going to keep those ourselves, and when they come of age, we're going to pass those on. Because you're, what you're going to see is Samson's family kept them, had to keep them, and then had to pass them on. So that's kind of cool. So Judges chapter 13, 2 through 5. So that'll be at the end of the service. We'd love for our family to stay. It's not going to be long. I'm only going to speak for about 25 minutes and then just a few minutes for the dedication, all right? Judges chapter 13, 2 through 5. Now, again, just so we're super clear, this is a message for men, by men. Is that okay? And, and here's the deal. Whenever we have one of the subjects about women, we have women speak about women. Why? Because men don't understand women, okay? And here's the proof in the Scripture about that. When God made the woman, man was asleep. God hid all the how it was made, all right? And so we don't get it. We don't understand it. It's a mystery, and it's a great mystery, but it's one of those ones like, I don't know if we ever fully get it. Sometimes the rules change in the game. Sometimes the game changes in the rules, all right? But that's the way that God set this all up, all right? So we're not going to talk about this, the complexity and, and the beauty of woman. We have those elements and we have those services for that. And we have Mother's Day and all that good stuff. We're going to talk about guys. And it's going to be a little simple. It's going to be a little practical. But we're going to lean in. We're going to open our hearts. And we're going to say that. Yes, in Jesus' name. Would you say that with me, guys? In Jesus' name. We're going to open our hearts. All right, Judges 13, 2 through 5. Here we go. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, that you not eat anything unclean, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. This is a vow in the Old Testament. Dedicated to God from the womb. He will take 
the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And as you go on, uh, we understand more and more about this covenant. He's a Nazarite. Nazarite means they don't cut their hair. They don't drink uh, wine, anything with, with um, alcohol. So she had to embrace it first because she was going to carry the child and then be passed on to him, etc., etc. Amen. So we're going to talk about being a strong man. He- Heavenly Father, we honor you. We open our hearts to you. We receive your word today. Prepare us. Prepare the ground of our heart to be able to be ready, Lord, to be ready to step up to be the men that you've called us to be. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. All right. I'm going to give you a little refresher about the story of Samson. How many knows about Samson. You've heard the name. You know something about Samson. He was this guy that was super strong, um, but he wasn't strong because he, he lifted dumbbells. Um, he was strong because the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. It was the strength of the Lord that gave him the power to do what he did. Maybe he looked strong. Maybe he looked like uh, somebody with a bunch of biceps, triceps, quads, all that stuff, perhaps. Um, that's how it looks in the pictures. That's how it looks in the movies when they make a movie about Samson. But his strength did not come from his own power. His strength came from the Lord. And long story short, Samson has this weird dichotomy, okay? He's a guy who the Philistines, who the enemy of God, okay, the men feared him by day. He was a nightmare to the Philistines, Philistine men, but he was a dream to the Philistine women. You know what I'm talking about? And, and he was a guy who, who, who got older but did not grow up. Does that make sense? He, he got older, but he was kind of stuck in adolescence. He was just a big kid. And what I want to focus on with Samson is this, is that within this man was great strength, but also great weakness. And in every one of us men, there is a great strength in all of us. And we like to focus on the strength, don't we? Right? We want to focus on the good Okay, we're working hard, we're, doing, we're excelling in these areas, but if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, there's some areas of weakness. And if, we're not, if we don't take care of those areas of weakness, if we don't address them and understand them, then we'll end up like Samson. He hooks up with a girl named Delilah, and she exposes his weakness. And it wasn't his sin that took his strength, it was his sin that opened the door for her to discover his covenant that took his weakness. Can I get an amen from anybody? And it wasn't like Delilah was a sweet little church mouse who was cleaning the church and found his prayer journal and was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is Samson's weakness right here. No, that's not how it happened. Happen. She was like, Samson, if you love me, you'll tell me what's the source of your strength. He's like, oh, Delilah. Fine, I'll tell you. If she, she begs and begs and begs. Um, if, I, if there's some bowstring, some new bowstring, and you tie me up with a the bowstring, then, then I will become like, and here's an interesting statement, like every other man. And one of our hearts is that we're just not like every other man or any other man. Okay, because that's not what God's called us to do. Just be like the norm, what's out there, just the, the status quo. And this is what he was slipping into. And, and she ties him up, and he's taking a nap, and he wakes up to her screaming, the Philistines are upon you, and he breaks them off, and he chokes them out and karate chops them and kung fu's them in the neck, and he's like, what happened here? And, she, and, and instead of him being like, yo, did you just try to get me, like, hurt? She's like, oh, Samson, how could you do this to me? You lied to me. He's not catch. She doesn't do it once, not two times, not three times. She does it four times, and he's so enamored with her. He's so focused on on this Philistine that he loves that that he falls and finally tells the secret, and then is captured, and they blind him. And it's just a it's a real sad story. 
And, and it's amazing to think, like, the strongest man really is, in so many ways, the weakest man in the Bible. And, guys, like, what happens a lot of times is, it's just like the story of the young man who had the withered hand. Jesus says, hey, stretch forth your hand. And the young man had a good hand, and he had a bad hand. And a lot of us, what we would do in church would be like, stretch out the good hand. Because Jesus said, come right in the center, and I want you to stretch out your hand. Jesus didn't say which hand to that boy. And he stretched out the bad hand. He exposed the bad hand. And when he did, that hand was made whole. And what my prayer today is, is that you'll stretch out that area of weakness in your life, and you'll let God make that whole. Because God wants to make you strong in every area of your life. Can I get an amen from anybody in the house? Because let's be honest, guys. Hey, there's some areas where we're really strong, really doing it, really winning. But there's areas we're not winning. And that's okay. But it's not okay to stay not okay. It's, it's okay to not be okay, but we're not going to stay that way because God has a plan for us, a big plan for your life and for mine. Amen? And so this really is about health. It's about emotional health, spiritual health. It's about health. It's about not just what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. Because the truth is there's no, there's no bad marriages or unhealthy marriages. There's unhealthy people who are married. That make sense? We're unhealthy people in a marriage and that makes an unhealthy marriage. So you will only rise or fall to the level of your spiritual, emotional, amen, uh, health, even intellectual health, your social health. There's these health elements that are inside of us of how we deal with things, how we deal with conflict, yada, yada, yada. This is not that sermon. So we want to look at the economy of the heart. We want to ask the question, how's your inside world, right? Because on the outside, Samson was doing good. He was fighting off Philistines, but the inside world was corrupt, he had some desires that were not in alignment with God's best for him, okay? And so we got to ask that question, how's your inside world? How's your, how's your web page? How's your search engine? How, how, what's going on in that heart? What's going on in that mind? How, 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 how's your integrity? We're going to ask the hard question because, guys, we, we, we can't just compartmentalize and go, I'm good over here, but this hand's not good, but let's just hide it. God wants to expose it. God wants to bring it out because God wants the best for you. Not just living a low, low calling. We have a high calling, but don't live it at a low altitude. You heard the story about the guy who prayed a prayer. He's like, God, thank you today that I that I haven't sinned. I haven't I haven't lusted. I haven't told a lie. I haven't cussed. I haven't gotten mad at anybody. He said, now, Lord, when I get out of bed, help me to do that for the rest of the day. All right? That's not the plan, just to, just to barely get by, barely squeeze by. The plan is for us to be victorious in every area of our lives. And if we become healthy, it's going to flow into every area of our life. The Bible says that in you is a well, in you is a spring, in you is a river, right? And, and you can't say, we, we can't say, well, man, I, I'm good in this area, not in that area. God, out of your life, out of your heart flows all the rivers, and it's going to affect every part of you. And we'll get into that in just a moment, amen? So we're going to ask the question, what part, what slat in the barrel can we raise today? What, what area of our life can we raise today that will bring the, all the water in the barrel up? That one lowest slat, that area of weakness that God can raise up today that will change us forever. So here's what I want to do. I want us to look at a couple areas where there was great weakness. And, and even, and even uh, he was a little naive in these areas of Samson. I want to I show you, I want to kind of expose some of his weaknesses. Number one, um, Samson had no margin for error. Okay, he had no margin for error. You ever been in a car with somebody who's driving 80 miles an hour down the freeway and they're like five feet away from the person in front of them? 
Like all that person has to do is just tap on their brakes and there's going to be an accident. There's no margin for error, right? I think like every 10 miles an hour that you go, you're supposed to be one car length away, right? But, but we all have that grandma who just loves to ride that person's bumper all the way to San Francisco and back. Hallelujah, amen. And, and there has to be some margin in our life, margin in our finances, margin in our giving, margin for, for, for family, margin. And what Samson was doing, he was living fast. He was living fast. He was living a low life. He was living the life that was not the best. He was living uh, out of impulse. He, it, was a, it became a high cost to low living. It became a high cost to low living. He was not living his best because he was not living with margin. He had no room for error. He was falling in love with people who did not want his best for him. Amen? And so this is, this is the first thing I want to encourage you to do, guys, is to create Selah, to create space, to create shalom, to create Shabbat, to create space where God can move in your world. That's why you come to church on Sunday and thank you for being here. That's why we go to men's retreat. We go to small groups. We have our devotion time because we're creating space. We're going to create margin. Life is not meant to just run, 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 run. We got to create margin for conversations that are, that are healing and helpful. Amen? And so that's number one. He had no margin for error. Number two, he was unteachable. This is a big problem for men because we know it all, don't we? Come on, man. We know it all. We're not going to ask for directions. But he was unteachable. His parents were like, come on, Samson, don't do this. This is not God's best for your life. And he's been gallivanting all over uh, Israel, hooking up with Philistine women. And he, no, one, no one can tell him what to do. No one can tell him you're wrong. Nobody can look him in the eye and say, hey, I that God has more for you, but you got to stop because this leads to destruction. In fact, we have a saying around here, if you reject instruction, you are accepting destruction for your life. If you're unteachable, you're unreachable. And here's what happens to a person who's unteachable. Ultimately, they become offended. Because we're trying to speak, go 100, say, hey, I want to speak to you, man. Hey, I want to be a help. Hey, how, where can I encourage you? And you know what happens? We get offended that you said anything. We want our, your best, but your blind spot is not blind to us. All of us have blind spots, and we need people in our lives who will step up and speak up. That's why guy, sir, father, grandfather, you need other godly men in your life who can speak into your world. If you see a dad that's crushing it. Go talk to him and say, hey, I'm going to take you go get a steak, get some coffee. I want to spend some time. I want to ask you a few questions. I'm a teachable person. I don't have it all together. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better. <laughs> Amen. We got to have a teachable, teachable spirit in Jesus' name. The third thing about Samson was his attention was divided. He was called to win the battle against the Philistines, but his attention was divided. He got focused on Delilah. Now, here's the thing about focus with men. Men, we're really good at getting focused on something, okay? This is something that's very unique to us, okay? Like, when we get focused on something, we can't let it go, right? And this is one thing that makes us strong, but it also makes us really weak because just being strong in and of itself is, is not a virtue, right? Because uh, the Taliban is strong, pit bulls are strong, food poisoning is strong, Okay? There's a lot of strong things out there. So just being strong in and of itself. And so your attention is something very powerful. Because I, I know some of you guys who wanted a motorcycle. And you saw your friend drive with that hog down the street. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you looked it up online, that hog. You're like, uh-huh, I, uh, that's beautiful. Oh, they have a sale. 2% off. That's a, that, that must be the will of God. And you start doing research and now all you see are, are Harleys, or all you see is that, you know, and, and all of a sudden, like, you bought it before you bought it. 
That makes sense? Like you already got it. You were you asked your wife for permission, but you weren't really asking for permission. Your heart already bought that thing. You are you're just trying to figure out how you're gonna do it. Can I get an amen from any of the ladies in the house? All right, because because God, when we get fo- that's why God made us like this. Because when we get focused on a project, when we get focused on something, it's very powerful what we can do. It's how God built us. That's why we can't do many things at the same time. Women are really good at multitasking, doing several things at the same time. You know, correcting kids with a foot, doing this, whatever, like 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 answering emails and selling stuff on Amazon, and still like 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 painting the the walls in the room. Like this is amazing. Us guys are like, okay, I'll I'll paint, but I uh, help me breathe because I'm not sure if I can breathe at the same time. I can only do one thing, you know. That's how we're built. But when we do it, we we do it really well. Okay, that's how God wired us. That's how God built us. But you know the greatest thing that you can give to your spouse, to your family, to friends, is not just your time, I'm here, but being present with your attention. Not just like the the back part of your brain, like the prefrontal, like I'm here, I'm focused, my attention's on you. That's how God wired us. When we put our attention on something, great things happen. You put your attention on your marriage, that's like why marriage counseling is so great. Not because like, oh, we're, 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 this thing's going to pot, it's terrible. No, because the more I just put my attention on it, the more attention, just put some attention on some of our weakness, some of the areas we can work on in communication. When I put my attention on it, guess what? It begins to bloom because if I don't put my attention on it, it's in the back of my mind, yeah, we've got to do it, we've got to work on it. But then something bad becomes worse. But when I put my attention on it, I start working. I'm, I'm geared like that. I want to fix it. I want to fix things. I want to work on I want to work on me. I just don't know what to do, but I need some guidance. You know, you go out to eat with your wife, and, and you're on your phone. Do, 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 you're, you're there, but you're not there. So, so what's the greatest gift I can give my kids, my wife? My work is my attention. There's this new thing called attention economy. And there's a 21, 22-year-old in San Francisco or Silicon Valley down in San Jose working on this one thing, how to grab your attention with a billboard, with a, with a, a pop-up on your phone. Remember, remember like... You know, you pull your phone out, and you're like, oh, yeah, let me check that text. Oh, there's this thing. There's this notification. Oh, my goodness. Before you know it, you've, you've, you, you're, you've, do- you've dove into this world, and it takes you five, six minutes to get out. Remember the day? I, I try to explain this to my kids. My kids, they have a hard time understanding this word because they live in a world where this word is not relative anymore. Remember the days of being bored? You would stand in line at the grocery store, and you didn't have a phone to pull out. You're just like... That was Beach Boys, by the way. Hallelujah, man. Remember, we were just bored. We, we get lost in thought. Or we have a conversation with the person in front of us. Hey, how's it going? Now we're like, oh, there's a two-minute wait. Oh, my goodness. Sir, sir, sir. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes, I would like to check out, please. That's where we are. There's some, everything's vying for your attention. Everything's vying for attention. And we put our attention on things that don't matter. And where we put our attention, that's where our affection goes. Your affection will follow your attention. So where's your, what's your attention on? Ask that question. What is your attention on?
Ask that question. Ask that question. What's my attention? When I surf the web, what's my attention on? When I'm watching Netflix for five, six, seven hours, what's my attention on? When I'm at dinner with my wife and with, I'm with my kids, what, where is my attention? Is it there? Am I present? Come on, guys. Let's be present. Why? Because wherever I put my attention, that's what's going to flourish in my life. In fact, you've heard me say this before. Like the universe, everything is built in the universe, the cosmos, for whatever, like where there's attention, where there's observation, that's reality. They had this, this called the double slit experiment. They were throwing electrons through this board, and when it would go through the backboard, it would measure how it went through, and it was two different ways. When they were recording it, it went through as electrons, but when they weren't recording, it went through as wave particles, not even a solid substance. It changed its form based on what, whether it was being observed or not. When we observe the universe, it changes before us. When we look at light, it changes the way it moves. When we look at the metrics of anything, it changes by just virtue of us looking at it. And when your kids or your spouse, when, they, when your attention is on them by that virtue, they begin to change. They begin to transform by the gift of your attention. <laughs> Guys, wh- like what's our attention on? I'm going to move on, but because this, is a, this is a big thing. We live, uh, Peter Drucker says this, he says, uh, the, 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 the thing that will define our generation is not, is not uh, telephones, it's not internet, but here's what it is. It's the access to so many choices. This is what's defined us. So many things, so many distractions, so many choices. Procrastination has been assassination to us moving forward. The fourth thing I want to talk about is Samson learned to compartmentalize his life. He learned to have the secular part of his life and the sacred part of his life. And this is the folly. I see this all the time with men. We have our line items, right? And we have the, the, the work dad, and we have the father uh, man, and we have the husband man, and we have the, the, the friend man, and we have the, the holiday man, and we have the golf man, and then we have the church man, and we've categorized our life, and we've, we've, we've compartmentalized it, and that's why, see, women are a little bit different, because everything's connected. So if a woman, ha- there's one issue in one sector, it can move into all the sectors. And why this is really good and important is because the radar's on. Dee, 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 fix it. Us guys, we compartmentalize and we go, this is a problem, but I'd rather just focus on the good stuff. Samson had his secular life and he had his sacred life. And they were split. And that's not what God intended in the very beginning. In fact, in the very beginning, when you read Genesis chapter 2, and God made man, here's what he did. He said, I'm putting you, I'm giving you dominion, I'm giving you rule. The, the word is radah, it's rule. I'm giving you dominion over the earth and over this place called the garden. We were made to rule. What does rule mean? Rule over other people? Dominate? No. What it means is, this word means to take what is there all the resources, and make it a glory to God. So when you read in Genesis chapter 2, God puts them in the garden. It talks about these rivers and these resources. It talks about how there's onyx in this area, and there's tons of gold in this area. There's wind, and there's fire, and there's trees, and there's vegetation, and there's animals. And God goes, I want to see what you do with it. I want to see how, what you produce. Because in our minds, we think, well, there's God, there's the sacred, and then there's work. 
And work's just a thing that we have to do, and it's ugly, and it's tiresome, and, and, it's, and it's no big thing because this is the stuff that God cares about. My church attendance and, and how many scriptures I know and, and not cussing as much as I used to. And we have the sacred over here, and we have the, the secular over here, and that's not how God designed it. God designed it and said, all of this is the same, and it all flows out of your relationship with me. And I want to see how you pour that coffee. And I want to see how you design that new building. And I want to see how your work ethic is. And you do that investment, how you treat people. It's all spiritual. In fact, in the Old Testament, there is no word for spiritual or non-spiritual. When you look at the Old Testament, it was a, it was a, wide, uh, uh, it was, it was a wide view. It was a panoramic uh, view or lens. It was, it was holistic. It all was connected. How I treat my brother, how I do business, how I work with my family, how I raise up my kids. It's all the same. How I pray or go to all it was. It was all the same and all interconnected. And yet we've categorized it and go, I'm winning here. I'm winning here. I'm okay here. I'm a B minus here, B minus here. And i got to work on the church thing. No, it all is flowing out. Out of the same essence. There's one river that flows out of your heart. And if you compartmentalize it, you will not win. I love this, what Tim Keller says. Because God said two things. I want you to abad. I want you to work. And I want you to shamar. I want you to protect. Tim Keller says this, that work, he says, this is his definition. The rearranging of raw materials of a particular domain to draw out of it its potential for flourishing for everyone. I'm going to read that again. The rearranging of raw materials of a particular domain to draw out of it its potential for the flourishing of everyone. Can I just tell you, like, guys, when you go to work and you work hard, that's worship. When you, when you dream big for your business, that's worship. When you're faithful in the little things, that's worship. When you treat your employees well, that's worship. When, when, you, when you treat your boss well and honor him or her, that's worship. Just real quiet, real quiet. I'll take a, a Pentecostal amen or a Baptist nod or a Catholic sign. I'll take anything right now. Am I talking to any men in the house? Are there any, is there anybody in the house that, that's understand like we're men, we build, we take charge. We, and it's not ruling over people. When he said you're going to rada, you're going you're gonna to rule, there was no people. I want you to take the resources and make them great, make it better. It's a glory to God. Man, I made, the, I made the best coffee this morning. Oh, it was amazing. God finds the light in that, dude. Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I wish I was called a ministry. So I have my secular life and I have my religious life when I go to church on Sunday. You've missed it by a mile. You've missed it by a lifetime. You've missed it. You've missed it. That's not how it works. Everything we do is to the glory of God. It's just, a, it's just like we store it up and we go... Here you go, Dad. just want to bring glory to you. Amen? So here's, here's how we misinterpret life. And this is for those who haven't grown up. You know, we got 20s and people's in 30s and 40s. They're dating. They're relating. They're fornicating. They're doing whatever they want. And they, they, they act like kids. They have sippy cups, but they call it something else. And, and they're not growing up. They're not stepping up. And it's because we've been sold a lie. And here's the lie. You ready? That life is measured in our consumption, what we get. But really life is measured, our fulfillment, in our production. Men, we were called to produce. It's in you. It's in you to make something from nothing. 
Like God put some stuff in your hands, put a family in your care. And he says, these are your assets. It's not what you can consume. It's not what I can get. Because this is the, the, the idea in life. And what we create, men, and we're all guilty of this. Number one, the grass is greener on the other side. Guess what? If you were to switch lawns with that person, your grass that you had would become green, and the grass on the other side would become dead. It's, it's green because someone's watering it. It's green because someone is radah. They're ruling over it. They're domain. They're taking care of it. Does that make sense? Like, we, we got to, like, get this in our mind. We have been called to take care, to produce in our lives. And if you have the wrong idea about this, you chase what we call a fictitious finish line. What does it look like? Where is it? What, is, what does it feel like to be fulfilled? Well, I'll tell you a story. Deion Sanders. Anybody remember Deion Sanders? He was the foot, yeah, football player and uh, Dallas Cowboys. Boo. But great story anyways. Um, in the 90s, uh, won uh, Super Bowl. A uh, new, uh, news reporter from CNN, Nick Charles, interviews him, and it comes up that he's a Christian. And he says, well, how did that happen? This is what Deion Sanders says. He says, I won the Super Bowl. I got the ring. I bought my Ferrari that afternoon. Had the party. Had the women. Had everything. He said, I went, to, I went home and went to bed that night, and I laid in bed. And in my mind, this moment was supposed to be the moment. It was supposed to be the, the paragon. It was supposed to be paramount. It was supposed to be the perfect moment where I feel fulfilled. I finally arrived. I got everything I wish. Because a lot of us guys, we chase it and we never get it. But there's some people who get it. And he was laying in his bed. He goes, I got everything I ever wished for. And I'm empty. And there, it feels meaningless. And he rolled out of his bed and he wept and wept and wept and said, Is there a meaning to life? And God, if you're out there, find me. And a few days later, a friend of his that was a believer Witness to him, Deion Sanders became born again. We hated the Cowboys just a little bit less. Stuff like that happened. <laughs> I want to read you G.K. Chesterton, a quote that he said. Meaningless does not come from being wary of pain. Meaningless, uh, meaninglessness comes from being wary of pleasure. It's not weary of pain. It's not the tr hard things. Left. It's getting everything you wanted. And realizing there's nothing to it. Chase it, chase it, chase it, chase it. And you chase it and you get Delilah and you chase it. And it's just taking, it's taking, it's taking, it's taking. And you find yourself blind. And guys, I see so many men who fall into this peril. The most beautiful thing is right before you. Your wife, your kids, your grandkids. We're chasing things. Our heart is over the fence somewhere else. And God says, I want you to radah, I want you to rule. I want you to make this great. Your greatest responsibility is your home. Rule your home well. We'll talk about dating and relationships and sex and marriage uh, later on in the summer. And uh, we're going to encourage all those single people in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't want you to be a bachelor till the rapture. We want Jesus to intervene in your need. But, uh, <laughs> but no matter what you're going through, if you're single... Man, if you're, if you're married, if you're on your second, wherever, whatever situation you are in life, I want to tell you, you've been called to master those areas, to rule, to work, to make it work. And the only way you're going to do that is set your heart, your mind 
on the right things. Amen? I want to I kind of close with this. Roll Heiser and book Sacred Fire, he talks about there's two elements to a man. There's two temptations. There's two primary temptations. In his youth, it's lust. But in his later years, it's anger. We're prone to this, all of us. Lust and anger, lust and anger. It starts with high lust, low anger, and it moves like this. This is something we have to work on, think about, master again and again and again and again. And Samson finds himself at the end of his life broken because of bad decisions, broken because of inconsistency, broken because of cognitive dissonance, because what he was on the outside wasn't the same as what he was on the inside. He's strong in the sight of everybody, but on the inside he's weak. And there's no way to move forward, men, unless we forgive. Well, who do I forgive? Well, there's probably a myriad of people. We have a team in San Quentin right now who are preaching on Father's Day. And there's one common denominator in the jails and prisons. They say Mother's Day letters come in and out, in and out, in and out of the prisons and jails. Father's Day, very few, almost none. It's a fatherless generation. It's a generation where there was no role model. There was nobody to walk down the street with because in Proverbs it just talks about how organic this should be. It shouldn't be a project. It should be a program. It should be organic. The garden was not static. It wasn't something fixed that God made. Now just enjoy it. It was organic pieces unfolding. If we don't forgive, then we don't move on. There's people who hurt us. They should have been there. And the way Proverbs reads, it reads like this. There was a man walking with his son. He looks at a house. He goes, hey, son, look at that house. What do you see? I see weeds all over it. I see ivy and vines and everything. What does it tell you? It tells me that somebody's not keeping up. It's a poor person, poor mentality, sluggard, a lazy person. This is what happens. Okay, Dad, what does that mean? It means you've got to keep your stuff. Take care of your stuff. Take care of your life. If you don't manage your life, your, your life will manage you, and then you'll, you'll have a mess, and then you'll try to manage the mess, and it just, it'll overtake you. Like, that's how simple it is. Like, learning and growing and being a great dad, being a great husband is not some program and something static, something ongoing, raw materials. It's growing, learning. It's reading books. It's getting in some counseling. It's asking the right questions of the right people. It's making it work. Because work is a part of our success story. We are created to work and make it work. And we're going to work to make it work in Jesus' name. But it begins with forgiveness. It begins with forgiving. It begins with saying, I'm sorry. It begins with saying, I forgive those who were not there for me, who should have been there for me. I want to pray for all the men. I'm going to have all the men, fathers and future fathers, single men. I want to have everyone stand. I'm going to have all the men stand, unapologetically stand. We're going to pray for you. Men, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to just take this moment in. You're standing with your past on one side. You're standing with your future on another. Now, I'm not the person who hurt you. 
I'm not the person who abused you. I'm not the person who took advantage of you. I'm not the person who should have been there that wasn't there. But when Christ went to the cross, here's what he did. He didn't just forgive you of what you did. He forgave everyone who hurt you and sinned against you for what they did. So when someone sees you, it's Christ. You're the perpetrator. But when we look at our perpetrator, we should see Christ. That's how this works. And so today I want, I want you to open your heart to forgiveness. And I'm going to stand on this platform this morning as the person who hurt you and abandoned you. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And when I ask, I want you to say, you're forgiven in Jesus' name. I want to start by asking for forgiveness. In the person of Christ, I want to stand here and say, I repent to you, men, for being harsh and abusive. I should have disciplined. I should have reared. I was expecting too much. I hurt you with beatings that you didn't deserve. I struck out at you with anger instead of loving you, and I'm sorry. I was verbally abusive. I criticized you. I told you you were worthless, that you should have never been born. I was wrong. I should have been the dad, the father, the grandfather, the mentor. But I was consumed with my own problems, and I couldn't do it. I curse you with my mouth instead of blessing you, and I'm sorry. Emotional abuse. When you were a child, I abandoned you, and I was not a father that you needed. I was wrong. When your mother and I divorced, I was not there for you because I went my own way. When you needed me as a friend and as a father that you could count on, I was not there. And for this, I'm sorry. For neglecting you when you were growing because I was too busy leaving you to fend for yourself instead of being there to show you the way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was not able to bond with you emotionally when you were a child and tell you I love you. When you were a child, I made promises I didn't keep. I broke your tender heart, and for that I'm sorry. When you needed me as your friend and thought you could count on me and I was not there, for all these times I ask you to please forgive me. When you were there and needed someone to trust, I was untrustworthy, and for that I'm sorry. I threatened you, I was controlling, I was angry, and for this I ask you to forgive me, I'm sorry. I stand in the place of those who may have sexually or physically abused you, for molesting you when you were a child, destroying your innocence. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for exposing you to pornography, destroying your innocence and your purity, for violating you as a young person, a young man, a young woman, through rape, luring you into sex, taking advantage of you. I was wrong, and I did it, and I apologize. For violating you as an adult, sexual violence I repent spiritual abuse for being your spiritual leader and violating the trust that you put in me for taking advantage of you being open and vulnerable to me I'm sorry when I was critical and judgment 
uh, judgmental of you and I should have accepted you and should have loved you, I repent, forgive me. As a husband, a father that was not a spiritual leader, I didn't protect you, the family, I ask for forgiveness. For all of the abuses to you, for all of the hurt, for all of the wounds that you have carried, I ask you to forgive me today, to release me so you can be released in the future that God has for you. I'm sorry. Now, men, if you receive that today, I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to let the love of Jesus flood through your heart and heal that heart and heal those father wounds and heal those those spiritual wounds, those those church wounds, those, those leadership wounds, whatever it may be. There's a healing coming right now in Jesus' name. You are set free from your past and you're released into your future to be a strong, courageous man, a man of honor, a man of valor, a man of courage. There is healing today. There is power today, power in your words, power in your actions, power in your deeds. You will no longer be defined by what has happened to you, but what has happened for you by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm the man that God's called me to be, and I'm free in Jesus' name. Say that with me. I'm free in Jesus' name. I'm free in Jesus' name. One more time. I'm free in Jesus' name. Come on, let's clap our hands to heaven. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm no longer a prisoner, but by the cross I've been set free. And for he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. Come on, men. We love you. We believe in you. In Jesus' name. Hey, you may be seated, men. You may be seated. Don't leave us yet. Don't leave us yet. Uh, all those who are uh, dedicating their babies, their kids, their families to the Lord, would you come up? Would you come up? And you can bring your friends and your family that are with you, that came with you. We want the whole family to be here. We're going to pray because this is a covenant. This is a, a moment where God's going to seal the deal. There's some changing there's some changes. There's some transformation. The trajectory of our lives and our families' lives are going to be changed forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Come on over here, guys. This kid in the center. that we can share is the covenant that we keep first. Something interesting that happened. For Samson to be a Nazarite, his mother had to take on that covenant. She couldn't drink wine, liquor. This is important because it starts with us as parents. What I receive, I can pass on. What I implement in my life will be what is transferred to my children. So you as the parents, and many of the kids may not even remember this moment, but today is about you starting this covenant and relationship and saying, I want my family to live by the principles of the Word of God. I want my children to know the presence of God. 
I want my, my family to see how a godly family works and honors one another. Amen? The Bible says that children are like, a, like an arrow, which means whichever way you point that arrow, when you pull back and release, that's the direction that they're going to go. And you get to help decide that. Today, you get to point them in the right direction by making a covenant and a commitment to God's house, to God's word, to God's family. We're making some commitments, creating some holy habits, saying, this isn't about me. This is about the legacy of our family, the legacy of what God wants to do through us. And there's a cost to it. But the cost pales in comparison to the ultimate outcome of us planting our lives right in the middle of God's work and will for our lives. Amen? So I'm going to have our, our service pastors come up. If everyone can just take one small step back, our service pastors are going to come. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to cover you. We're going to pray for each child. Family, would you just stretch your hand forward to these families? Let's pray over each of them in the name of Jesus. We want the Holy Spirit to seal them, to heal them, to lead them, to guide them, to direct them, to convict them, to show them. Lord, in your name, we release the fire, release the passion, release the courage to walk in power, to walk in strength. Every child in this, in this altar, seal them with the seal of heaven. Your name be upon them. The parents, Lord, give them the courage and the grace to lead with strength. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, protect our children, guide our children, Lord. They are a gift, they are a treasure, they are to be trained in the way of righteousness, through what we say and what we do, to know your ways, to know your law, to love your law, to delight in your law, to delight in your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, can we declare some big, bold prayers over these families right now? They're going to see good days. They're going to be transformed. They're going to be leaders. Amen. Whatever their hand touches or... Whatever they and they're having their heart to do, it's going to prosper in the name of Jesus. Their leaf shall not wither in every season. Hallelujah. And evergreen and evergreen, always producing, always alive. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hey, church family, let's stand together. Come on, let's sing. Let's let the Holy Spirit just put this deep in our heart. We'll never be the same. In Jesus' name.
was a prisoner, but now I'm not. Amen. God's setting us free. Amen. Hey, we love you men. We love you. We love everybody. Ladies, we love you too. But men, we love you. We honor you. We honor your role. We honor your office. We have fake weights. We have real hot dogs. And dad's root beer. Go enjoy. We love you guys. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.